0: Hey y'all, have you ever heard of Old Gods of Appalachia? Well, if you haven't, you have now. Let me tell you, this is a horror anthology podcast, and it is absolutely amazing. They have characters, they have actors, they have different people doing voiceovers. It is so ridiculously dope. Y'all gotta check this out. Um... I'm, I'm like, I'm enthralled. I'm, I, I can't stop listening to it. This shit is crazy. And I got to tell you, all the actors are, they're straight, they're queer, they're black, they're of color, they're male, they're female, they're they thems, they them's. They just, this thing is so diverse, man. And, and there's, there's actually some poets involved with this that I actually admire. So this is a big deal. Y'all gotta check out Old Gods of Appalachia wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hey, y'all! It's your fam, Black Fluid Poet, aka John S. Blake, coming to you live from my humblest abode of books. What's going on, y'all? So we're gonna talk about some stuff that I can't normally talk about on TikTok, and people have asked so many questions and. I have interesting stories, but I can't share them on social media because many different platforms of social media would just ban those videos. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm going to talk about some sexcapades because these are like, these are stories that people would love to hear about. And the last time I tried to talk about it online, I got my live banned for like two weeks. So, even with the most appropriate of languages, TikTok, still believes in censorship. Okay, so anyway, let me first say that um, my parents, <laughs> oh my God, not unlike most people's boomer parents, my parents were a hot mess, okay? Especially when it came to the subject of sex. Now, here's, here's some things to keep in mind, y'all. First of all, I am the child of a pimp and a sex worker okay so that being said you already know <laughs> sex is gonna be a subject in my house that is just god awful now my dad was uh, a closeted bisexual at least um he and i had never had a conversation about you know what gender he believed himself to be, how long he was uh, disidentifying with his sexuality. But my mom, at some point, had witnessed him with a man, and that's what ended their marriage. Now, my mom, on the other hand, went through a great deal of sex trauma in her adolescence. Um, was pregnant from a sexual assault when she was 13. And, um has had irreconcilable differences to say the least when it comes to sex. Now, my mother's generation was a generation of women who didn't necessarily direct a man as to how to help them reach the big O. Right. So like my mom had very displeasing sex. It was a ways it it was, it was a means to an end. Um, and so she didn't, uh, look at sex as this wonderful experience of exploring one's body she was like you know sex is this thing you have to fucking tolerate if you want to have a husband Okay, that's, that's how my mother looked at sex um, so I want you to imagine my at the time very good looking self <laughs> but never having these conversations about sex my dad was never home So I knew my dad had been with a plethora of women in his life, but I had no idea um, what was really going on underneath, right? And from other kids, you know, 13, you know, when you get to 13, right, both in psychology and in sociology, the professionals will tell you 13, they are no longer believing what their parents have to say. They value their friends more. They become a lot more independent. And when it came to the subject of sex, my mother never wanted to talk about it. She would cringe. She would, you know, her shoulders would go up to her ears and she would make the scrunched up face like there were bugs everywhere. So, you know, to bring up, mom, why does that, she would go, oh, John, oh God. And you know, her, she would shut her eyes and Ugh. You know, just not want to talk about it, okay. So this is the only parent I have. (laughs) It's the only person to go to for guidance, right? Um, So at 13, I was always a writer. I was always a poet and I was writing a lot of poetry back then. And uh, I was also getting picked on a lot. I was, you're talking about someone who was a closeted gender fluid individual who sometimes was discovered to be a little feminine um still very attracted to girls, but didn't have that masculine thing happening, you know. Um But I was writing a lot of poetry and one of my bullies at the time uh discovered my writings. And although he made fun of me in front of his friends, he came to me once when no one was around and he asked me if I would write a love poem for him to give to his girlfriend. And so I did it and things were very successful. His girlfriend loved the poem and you know, he took full credit for it and I had one less bully. Well, rumor gets out, right? Word gets around that I write poetry for guys' girlfriends. So then I found myself writing a whole bunch of poetry for a bunch of different people and I became like the hero amongst men helping them, I don't know, get kisses, get laid, get affection, whatever. I saw it as, you know, a way to avoid getting bullied. So I didn't think about any other consequences that may come of it. Well, the girls all start talking and what they notice is all the poems are in the same handwriting because, you know, (laughs) at 13, we don't think everything through. So they all realize that their boyfriends are all talking to me at one point or another. And so one day in a hallway while walking to a bathroom, a group of girls said to me, are you the one writing these poems? This is all your handwriting. I know it. I'm in class with you and yada, yada, yada. And so I had to admit that I was the one, in fact, writing the poems. Now, I never got back to the bullies that I had admitted it, but all the girls in school knew I was the love poem writer. Well, <laughs> I was also still a virgin so this happens around the cusp of my birthday and at 13 i remember a young woman in the hallway we'll call her debbie and debbie was a girl who was a little older than me she was 16 i was 13 or 14 at the time and debbie said to me is it true that you're the one writing all these poems now debbie didn't have a boyfriend um for whatever reason i'm not sure but Uh, She said, you really wrote all those poems. I've read some of those poems. She said, they're really beautiful. And I said, thanks. She goes, you should come by my house someday so I can give you a blowjob. (laughs) I was like, oh, all right, sure. She's like, you want to come after school today? And I said, "Uh, okay. So I'm with my friend. uh, I'm with two of my friends. And uh, Glenn and Bobby. And I remember saying to them, Debbie said she wants to give me a blowjob after school. They're like, oh, you should go over there. Oh, man, it's going to be great. Uh, And I wanted to be cool. So I didn't say to them, what's a blowjob? Because I had no idea what the fuck this was. So um, I said, well, I'm going to go home first and, you know, put my books up and say hi to my mom, you know. So I get home and uh, my mom's like, hi, honey, how was your day? And I said, good. I said, mom, what's a blowjob? (laughs) I wasn't in the door but five seconds. My mother goes, what? And I said, what's, what's a blowjob? She goes, why are you asking me that, John? And I said, well, um, at school, Debbie said that I'm a really nice kid and she wants to give me a blowjob after school today. She goes, well, you tell that whore, Debbie, you ain't going to her goddamn house. And I was like, Mom, I don't, wait, I don't know what it is. What's a blowjob? What, what, I don't know. And so I said, I already told her I'm going over. She said, the hell you are. And I said, well, what's a blowjob? She goes, John, now, now mind you, this is my mother chock full of sex trauma and having no pleasurable experiences to speak of when it comes to sex john a blowjob is this horrible thing that women have to do for men in order to make them happy where they choke on his dick until he comes don't make debbie do that to you and i said okay mom okay so I didn't go to Debbie's house. And that night, I remember thinking to myself, why would men do such horrible things to women? And why would women let them? Like, it just, I didn't understand. And and like, I had never seen an adult movie at that point. Um, you know, and when you think about today's generation and how available visual stimuli of sex is, imagine being 13 or 14 and having never seen explicit sex at all, having no idea what this could possibly look like. Okay. So there I am. I see Debbie the next day at school. She goes, why didn't you come to my house? And I said, Deb, I just want you to know, you don't have to do that. You're like, I think you're great. I think you're cool. She goes, oh my God, just come to my house after school today. <laughs> and I didn't go because you know, from what my mom told me, I just needed Debbie to understand that I don't need that from her. And the more that I stood on this, on this, on this hill, the more I was willing to die on that hill, the more eager Debbie had gotten. And she started to tell other girls the same thing. So now all these other girls wanted to do this thing with me. And so I didn't give in. But I'll never forget my mother saying this was the worst thing in the world and that no woman wants to do it and that every man wants it to happen. So I want to tell y'all, I didn't have my first blow job for years after that. And actually the first time that I had climaxed during someone going having oral sex on me, going down on me, Um, it was with the person who sexually assaulted me at 16, but I digress. So we're going to move forward about a year, right? To where I'm 14. This is when I lose my virginity. (laughs) So, um, I'm hanging out with my crush, right? It's this young woman, a girl, I'm I'm a teenager. They're a teenager. And I'm not going to get explicit about it because we are talking about teenagers, But um, I had never masturbated because, according to the boys in the locker room, only freaks and weirdos masturbate, so I never even tried it. I, I wouldn't even know how to do it. Well, anyway, I'm with my crush, and I am 14, she is 16, and she is the most beautiful girl I had ever seen. And I... We had sex. We eventually had sex that night. And I lost my virginity. And I remember the white walls of the apartment bedroom turning purple. And I remember my ears ringing. And I remember my entire body just having this fucked up reaction. I remember getting dizzy. And anyway, I pull out. We finished. And I notice there is blood in my underwear. Now, mind you, I had never had an orgasm at this point. So this thing happens. I get dressed really fast. I am nervous as fuck, and I run home. It is about eleven o'clock at night. I have tears in my eyes. I run home to my mother, and my mother says, "John, what's 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 going on?" And I said, "Mom, I broke my dick." <laughs> my mother goes what are you talking about what happened and so we go to the bathroom I pull down my pants I pull down my underwear and I show my mother the blood in my underwear she goes what did you do and I say I had sex with someone." and so and she goes that slut oh my god my mother puts on some pants and a sweater and grabs her purse and car keys and says, get in the fucking car, and takes me to the VD clinic. <laughs> she takes me to the hospital, and then they transfer me to a clinic in the building, and I have to be examined because my mother said, I can't believe you with that slut. God knows what's going on with you. Now, mind you, it is... It is 1983, AIDS is on the scene, and my mother is a nurse, so she is freaking all the way the fuck out, and I am too young to understand what's happening. All I know is there was something about this girl, Amelia, that made the walls turn purple, made me dizzy. And my body explode. Now, I don't know what the fuck kind of witchcraft that shit was, but I'm going to see her again. (laughs) So, my mother and I finally start to have discussions about sex. And, you know, my mother called my sister and be like, oh, God, he slept with Amelia, da, da, da. uh, You know, and there was blood. He had never came before so he didn't know and he was freaked out Lori, i freaked out i took him to the damn hospital and my sister is hollering now my sister is about eight years older than me so at the time that i'm 14 my sister is 22 years old and she is hollering i can hear her laughing through The telephone on the. I'm on the other side of the room. My mother's like at the beginnings of the kitchen. I'm in the living room on the couch, and I could hear my sister (laughs) in the damn phone. And my mother's going, "Lori, it's not funny. He could have got hurt. He could have died. You know, there's that virus out here." And all I hear is, (laughs) "Child." So my sister, my mother somehow talks my sister into having me over her house and her and her husband talked to me about sex. So I'm at their house and we're having this very honest discussion about things I had no idea about. And so Luke, my sister's husband at the time says, you never jerked off? And I said, ew, no, that's disgusting. He goes, no, it's not. And my sister goes, all men do it. And I was like, that's not true. And he goes, yeah, it is, it's true. And I said, you mean, whatever Amelia did to me, I could have done to myself this whole time? And he said, yeah, child, I hadn't left the bathroom for like the next six months, child. <laughs> the water was running in my bathroom. <laughs> my mother was like, God, if you don't come out, I got that bathroom. <laughs> So, needless to say, the beginnings of sex to me were touch and go, to say the least. Pun intended. <laughs> we'll be back. I'm gonna pay some bills. We'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, amber hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our box. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, y'all. Your fam, Black Fluid Poet. Check it out. If you love this podcast, I want to thank you for favoriting the podcast because it means the world to me. However, the way I can get more advertisers is to have more subscribers. If advertisers um, see that um, I have a lot of subscribers, they will be more willing to give me opportunities to advertise for them. So in order for me to get these ads, I need to get to a decent amount of subscribers. So you come here to anchor.fm and you go to support and you can pick. $0.99, $4.99, Ninety nine cents, four ninety nine, or nine ninety nine. Please feel free to pick ninety-nine cents. I, I I am overjoyed at anyone who wants to support my dream of getting this podcast taking off. You know what I'm saying? So please just consider it. If I could get a thousand subscribers, I could get out of this poverty thing. You know what I'm saying? Cause yo, the struggle is real. Y'all take care. Hey, so we're back. Lord, 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 Lord. So I'm sitting here thinking about so many stories from my adolescence. So I'm going to take you back a little further, okay? Now, I have always been gender fluid, and I know there's a lot of discussion about trans rights and trans health right now, and there's something that people need to understand. Me coming out at 50 years old as gender fluid means it took me... Over four decades to build up the courage to do it. I have felt this way since shortly after I was out of diapers. I have always felt a strong sense of feminine energy. I have always been more... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Drawn. I've always been more drawn to things that are delicate, that are... Uh, gentle, that are soothing, that are nurturing, um, I've always felt more like the type of person to build a collective in loving energy as opposed to be ready for war or to conquer or any sense of that, um, Necessary aggression to be, you know, the top dog, the drill instructor, the, you know, alpha. That That's never been my story, all right? And it wasn't so much that I couldn't do it. It's that I just don't have interest in doing it. Do I have the capabilities? Oh, fuck yeah. Um, but I don't have the desire um, to be this pillar of emotionless strength um, running solely on discipline and that's how that's how I perceive masculinity to me It's, it's, it's a necessary energy but not as often as many people would like to think so for the most part I think the more important energy I have is this willingness to gather people um, I think of Maya Angelou's uh, title for but you know gather gather people in my name. Um, so anyway, so so this this feminine energy that I felt, um, my mom was always afraid that I was going to be gay, and I think because of the experiences that she had with my dad being closeted, and this feminine energy that I had always displayed. Um, a lot of people would like to suggest it was because I came from a single mom household and my mother was the only person around to set an example. All of that is bullshit. There were plenty of men in my life. I still had two older brothers. Um, all, all of that stuff is crap. It's just crap. Because even, you know, you, you see a lot of young men in the NBA and the NFL and in boxing and in, in the octagon and all these places – that display a strong level of masculine energy even though they grew up in a single mother household. So it has nothing to do with what parents are home. Um, and I also know plenty of, of you know, men who uh, who are queer, who are gay, and they grew up with both parents, and they grew up with a military father, and they grew up with, with you know, knowing how to fix cars, how to compete in sports, and, and how to be aggressive and still, you know, chose this feminine energy that they already possessed and always had. So all of that crap is, is moot. It's all out the window. Well, anyway, my mother's concerned. She doesn't like this strong feminine energy that I have. And she didn't like the idea that I could possibly be gay. And so it was the 80s and people were dying and there was something happening in the queer community and nobody could explain what it was. And so my mother worried. Well, ciao my mom had to take a live-in job because capitalism be capitalizing so I was a 14 year old teenager you know uh, 13 14 about a lot of a lot of the uh, a lot of the years are mixed together for me Um, it has a lot to do with trauma it has a lot to do with ADHD I don't have that compartmentalization ability um that I think is part of the executive function. So I I often get my ages confused, which makes writing a creative nonfiction book very difficult at times because you have to choose your words carefully, but I digress. So it is around my adolescence and my mother takes this living job. Now, all of my closest friends are girls, all of them, um, with the exception of one. Now, my mother... Is just convinced the psychiatrist told my mother when I was six years old that I would get a sex change by the time I was 18 because of this femininity that I displayed often. And when the psychiatrist told my mother this, my mother broke his nose and sent him rolling over his desk at his office, um, grabbing me by the arm and screaming to everyone in the waiting room. My son's no faggot. And we stormed out of the building. Now, ever since then, my mother has been waiting for me to confess to her that I'm gay. <laughs> so fast forward. Here I am. I am 13, 14 years of age. And I have these three best friends who are all girls. And we decide, since my mother is, is, has a live-in job, we decide we're going to cut school. So instead of leaving and catching the, the bus and going to school, we stay at my house. And there are four of us, and we're all chilling. We're watching television. Um, my mom had cooked food for the week, so there was plenty of food in the fridge. So we're eating fried chicken, drinking iced tea, sweet iced tea, and chilling in the living room. And we all decide we don't need to be fully dressed, so we're all in like our shirts and underwear, and you know maybe socks, and we're just hanging out and we're watching TV. We're sitting on the floor playing cards, smoking cigarettes, yada, yada. And one of the girls starts talking about hickeys. Oh, my God, I give the best hickey. And the other one goes, no way, I do too. So somehow I became the judge of the hickey contest. And my three best friends are now putting hickeys all over my neck and chest and arms and whatever. And for some reason, a key goes into the front door. My mother just walks in like it's just another day. She came home just to check on me. It was like a Tuesday or something. She wasn't supposed to be back till Sunday. Well, my mother opens the damn door and sees me sitting there with a Tupperware bowl of fried chicken between my legs and three girls sucking on my neck. (laughs) She pauses. She stands there. She looks at me. She looks at them, looks back at me. I see my life ending. And my mother goes, don't worry, I'll be back in a little bit. And closes the door and leaves. Now, the four of us are petrified. We all know the potential for my mother's violence. We all know what her anger looks like. We all start getting dressed as fast as we possibly can. We're thinking, I don't know what she went in the car to get to whoop our asses with. But when she comes back, she might have a crowbar. I am fucking nervous. So I get dressed the fastest of all of us. I go running outside. My mother is pulling away with the car, leaving. Now, I don't know what the fuck just happened? I come back in the house. The four of us are scared. My mother calls the house about a half hour later. And she says, it's okay, John. You know, have fun. Uh, We'll talk about you cutting school later. She goes, but everything's fine. (laughs) She acts the (laughs) She was so relieved. This is how homophobic my mother was. She was so relieved that I was obviously attracted to girls. (laughs) <laughs> that she didn't worry about anything else. This says a lot about homophobia. This says a lot about the patriarchy. And this speaks volumes as to how complicated it was to be gender fluid in 1984. Now understand the only examples I had of gender fluidity, if it even was gender fluidity, was David Bowie and Prince. That's it. Those were the only true, true definitions of gender fluidity I had ever seen. David Bowie was known to wear a dress, but he was still with women. Prince was wearing a face full of eyeliner and lip gloss and all kinds of other stuff, wearing heels with women. So there were two people in the world (laughs) that I could identify with and my mother couldn't stand either one of them. She called them freaks like you wouldn't believe. It angered her to see them. There was something complicated about my mother in that she really didn't like men or masculinity but would be damned if she was going to have a feminine son. I didn't start tr- truly considering my own gender fluidity until my mother died when I was, uh, 33. Before then, I don't think, there was a part of me that believed that my mother couldn't handle the shock of me being feminine. So especially around my mother, um, I wore the role of an alpha male as best I could around her because all my mother saw in femininity being worn by a man was danger. She literally worried. By the time I was 16, my mother was in prison. And I had gotten Really strung out on narcotics, crack, heroin, pills, you name it. And I had started to get clean, and someone suggested, you know, I let my mother know what's really going on in my life. And I go to visit my mother in prison, and I say, Mom, I got to talk to you. And the first thing out of her mouth is, What, John, are you gay? If you're gay, it's okay. I want you to know I love you. And I was like, No, Mom, I'm not gay. She goes, Do you want a sex change? Because, you know, we'll figure it out. And I was like, Mom, would you stop with that shit? (laughs) She goes, Well, what then? And I look through the prison glass and I grip this phone that I'm talking to her through. I, I'm gripping the receiver and I am so scared. And I said, mom, I've been shooting heroin since you've gone to jail. And she goes, oh, thank God. <laughs> Homophobia, I, I, I can't explain this enough to people. Homophobia was so strong. In 1986, that my mother preferred to find out that during an AIDS epidemic, her son was shooting heroin, sharing needles with strange people. She was relieved to hear that in opposition to finding out her son was gay. Y'all, there'll be more sex capades later, but let that sit in. Enjoy your day. Remember to love yourselves. And if you fall short of loving yourself, you can start your day over anytime, anywhere, with anybody. Because loving yourself is the most important thing you can do in this lifetime before your last breath. Remember to love who you are. You better love who you are. Ah, Keep in mind that I could use subscribers for my podcast. And there will be stories to come later. And I hope you enjoy your day. Peace.